you, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Salt Lake Dirt. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Today on the show, I welcome Gary Lassen. Gary is the president of the Three Stooges fan club and also the author of a brand new book called A Tour de Farce, which is the complete history of the Three Stooges on the road. So we all know the Three Stooges, when they weren't making films, they were basically touring mostly the United States and... um, performing live. I mean, they were all vaudevillians uh, before they got into film, so it just kind of came natural. So this was a very exciting interview for me because I, growing up, I was a huge Three Stooges fan to an obsessive degree. When I was about 14, 15 years old, I joined the Three Stooges fan club. This is like on the cusp of the internet. So it was really how I got information, and it, it, it developed my love of classic Hollywood. Um, The Three Stooges were my gateway into that. And it was just a very cool uh, interaction with Gary. What blows my mind is I, when I was about 14 or 15, I submitted an article to the Three Stooges Journal, which is the quarterly magazine that uh, fan members are sent. And I wrote up a thing that had all of the grave sites of the the six Three Stooges, so the replacement, the third, the replacement third Stooge, and and then Mo and Larry. So it was it was directions on how to get to their graves. Like I said, this is before it was easily accessible on the internet. Uh, they misspelled my first name and put Kyle, and you know I didn't. I, I was used to that growing up. Uh, but the cool thing was in the next uh, the next uh, issue of the journal, Gary corrected it. And what blows my mind is when I reached out to Gary and his assistant about having him on the show for his new book, he remembered it and gave me another sincere apology. So, what is this? Twenty over twenty, well over twenty years ago. Um, pushing thirty years. Oh my goodness. So it, man, what an incredible mind that Gary has. The book blows me away. It's a huge um, encyclopedic uh, volume, massive, tons of photos I have never seen. So, you know, even if you're not into the Three Stooges, if you're into old Hollywood, this book is incredible. Uh, Yeah, so I could kind of go on and on about this. Um, I've had a few people ask about this. The beginning and the end of the podcast, there is some talking, and it is from an act of a vaudevillian named Mousy Garner, who had a connection to the Three Stooges, who I befriended in my my teen years and into my twenties until he died, and I was able to contact Mousy because of the Three Stooges fan club. So, uh, thanks for letting me talk <laughs> about my interest in all of this. But like I said, this was a really cool opportunity for me to talk to Gary for the first time, um, even though it sounds like we've known each other for pushing 30 years. Uh, Yeah, so I'll put links to where you can find the book, where you can learn more about the Three Stooges Fan Club. There's a museum now that Gary runs 
out in Pennsylvania, the Stugium. I'll have links to that as well. But this kind of brought me back to feel to, to when I was a kid and, and um, kind of renewed my love of the Three Stooges. So this was a really fun conversation for me. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I hope you will. I think especially our old classic Hollywood listeners will enjoy this episode. Okay, so without further ado, let's talk to Gary Lassen on the Salt Lake Dirt podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Gary Lassen, president of the Three Stooges Fan Club and the author of A Tour de Farce. Uh, <laughs> there you go, folks. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I usually leave the impersonations to the professionals, but I'm just so excited to be here. I couldn't restrain myself. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. People are going to know what we're talking about just based off that. So, uh, Gary, this is, like I said just a few minutes ago, huge treat. This is an honor for me because, um, y- you know, I feel like I've. I've known you. I haven't talked to you before, but I feel like I've known you since I was a kid. Uh, when I, you know, initially jumped uh, and jumped on and joined the Three Stooges fan club, um, so that kind of, for whatever reason, I latched onto the Stooges as a kid, and through my teenage years, especially, I, you know, I read everything I could. Uh, I was able to meet some of those old timers, uh, like Ed Barons, Mousy Garner, the Vaudevillian, Amos Sitka once. Uh, out in California. So honestly, if it wasn't for, you know, the work that you've done, I would have not been able to like make so many connections. Um, and then I've always had a, a lifelong, that was like the, the gateway drug into old Hollywood for me. <laughs> so thank oh, you for everything certainly. you've done. <laughs> I'm a victim of circumstance. <laughs> See, that's uh, well, good. I'm I'm my part, but you know, um, <laughs> just trying to keep the stooges alive and uh, try to get them interested in another generation. Uh, if that happens, then I feel like I've done much up. Well, I, you definitely have. And I find what's so fascinating about the Stooges to me. Um, so I'm a high school teacher. I have a couple like posters of the Stooges in my classroom. Um, kids still know who they are. And I felt like when I, you know, when I was a kid, they've always, maybe people don't, aren't familiar with all, you know, their work and the, the incarnations of the different, uh, different Stooges, uh, different varieties, but people always know who they are visually they know the sound effects um they've stuck around where um i was also a huge george burns fan and you know kids have no idea who that guy is uh it's uh well, every it's every about every five years the story circulates that uh 90 of the country can name the three stooges but only 50 percent can name a supreme court justice and i think that's just terrible shouldn't a hundred percent of the country be able to name the stooges <laughs> That's exactly. just ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we got to. We well, hopefully this episode will help. Will help. Just um, saying. <laughs> <broaden the gap. laughs> well, I so the the main reason I'm having you on here is this this incredible book. So I okay, a tour de farce, uh, the complete history of the Three Stooges on the road. I ordered a copy, and I must have not done my research. I was completely blown away by the depth and 
and weight of this book. It was a huge, huge package that came to my house. Uh, It's the only coffee table book you can actually use as a coffee table. It's huge. And like, I was so excited. I felt like a kid again. Um, And for someone who's, you know, I've read so much about the Stooges and I feel like I'd kind of read it all, to be honest. Um, This was like, this was an angle that I was not, I knew they toured. I knew they, you know, between when they, when they weren't shooting their shorts, uh, they were touring the country. These pictures, so many of these pictures I had never seen before. This was just so new to me. And like the quality of the book, so high quality, completely blown away, completely blown away by it. And um, well, you don't have to stop there. You can keep playing it on a little <laughs> more. Keep, if you I like. keep going. No, uh, but seriously, this, this was really about uh, 20 years of research, truthfully, uh, accumulating the information. And uh, it's because there was a tremendous void in the Three Stooges history that we didn't know about. There's all kinds of books about their films and the, each individual stooge and where, where they did the films and how they impacted society and everything. But they spent half the year on the road. And it was never accounted for before in any way, shape, or form. And so that's the void that, that this book really aimed to fill so i gotta ask you how on earth did you piece together all of this all because you it's very extensive list year by year um you know you, you have the curly years shemp uh dorita you have appendix uh, you know the appendix with like a you know mild buddy mousy garner and gentle maniacs and <laughs> Uh, how did you piece this together? Well, I had well, no idea. This, whole, this that, is all lost. Well, the whole I, the whole start for this was I saw somebody in, in a line wearing a Rolling Stones T-shirt for their Steel Wheels tour, and it said April twenty fourth, Memphis; April twenty sixth, Chattanooga. And I thought, oh, that's great. This tour was ten years ago, but they documented every stop that they made. I, I, I love the Stones; that's great. I, I thought that was wonderful. Well, I wish we had something like that for the Stooges. A few weeks later, I saw another concert tour shirt, not for the Stones, but for a group I never heard of. Some, you know, the Flaming Bozos, whatever it was. And <laughs> the Flaming Bozos might have only been in existence for a month, but their whole tour history was documented on this shirt. And I, I, this got me mad. I thought, the Stooges toured for 50 years. We have nothing. We don't have any documentation of where they played or what they did. So just for fun, just for fun, I had no intention of writing a book. I started an Excel spreadsheet. Blank, a blank spreadsheet, not a single entry. And I started looking through the items in my collection, through the playbills and programs and photographs. And I just started making notes of the dates that they appeared in these cities. Now, this was before there was anything I could get on the Internet. This was back in the 19, you know, 1990s, and there was no online newspaper content or anything, really. Um, so every time I went on vacation, I'd make a trip to the library wherever I was at, you know. So if I was out in California, I'd go to the library there. If I down in Miami Beach, I, I whatever facilities. And I started um, microfilm and looking through dates and piecing this together like a crossword puzzle almost. Um, and just like the crossword puzzle, it's tough at first when you don't have much filled in. But you get a critical mass going. And all of a sudden, you've got three letters here. To, all you need is one letter, and you got the whole word. So I started piecing it together like that. I knew they were in Pittsburgh this week. I knew they were in New York two weeks later. Where were they in between? I'd look at a map. It's oh, they in Philadelphia or Baltimore. And then I'd go look for the papers in Philadelphia. But sure enough, that's where they were. Uh, I solicited help from the fan club members. You know, so look, take a look at your collections. Look for dates. Send me the information. And they more they wanted to help me so bad. They were so, you know, they they really wanted to help with the project. So uh, they said, if I left no stone unturned, I, you know, I, I paid for subscriptions to online newspapers in the last 10, 15 years. This project could not have been done without that. 
because in the old days, to look through microfilm for Stooge stuff is very tedious. But now you just type in the word Stooges, enter, and a hundred results come up. Uh, you don't have to leave your home. I didn't have. I, I used to make trips to the Library of Congress every six months. You know, a uh, three-hour trip and turned into a five-hour trip every time I made it. But I made that trip, and because that's the only place I could get the newspapers uh, when they became available online, that was a huge help. That filled in lots of dates, uh, and I learned a lot of tricks. I learned some search tricks, like. If you spell something wrong, you get some results that you wouldn't have gotten anyway. So Larry Fine is spelled F-I-N-E. I searched for Larry Fine, F-E-I-N. And guess what? I didn't find, find a lot of results, but I found some that I wouldn't have found if, had I not done that. Ted Healy, H-E-A-L-Y, H-E-A-L-E-Y, he tried for a lot of results came up that way. They really misspelled his name a lot. Wow. Um, so I learned some of the tricks. I learned that you could ask a librarian in certain cities. You know, I knew they were in Memphis, but I didn't know exactly when. Well, the Memphis Library has an Ask a Librarian feature for a small fee. They'll do research. I found local historical societies will do, do uh, help for you if you're interested. And they really want to help because they're history buffs. And you just give them a question about when they were in Chattanooga or whatever, and they really want to help you. So uh, I had a lot of people that uh, wanted to help me with the project. And I was, you know, gung-ho. And uh, after 20 years of stuff, uh, research, I figured this could be a book. And that's what happened. <laughs> well, it's a heck of a book. I mean, um, it's like a, yeah, it's like a call. I'm trying to give people, I'm going to post some pictures of the book, um, me holding it for, you know, for scale, but it's, uh, it's unbelievable. And, and then, so let's talk about the pictures. I mean, I know some of the pictures I'd seen before over the years, um, but there were so many that I had never well, I think See. what it is is most of the books in, on the market uh, about the Stooges feature uh, Columbia Pictures publicity photos from their films. And their three-quarters of the photos in the books are standard publicity shots from their films. And they've been sort of recycled over and over and over. Mm. Um, the shots that I'm using, because I'm not talking about their films, I'm talking about their life on the road, which was totally distinct. There's lots and lots of candid shots and shots where they're mugging with fans and, and stuff that you've never seen before because that's not what they did on the Columbia Studios. Um, and one of the great things about the Stooges that differentiated them from today's stars, uh, if, if you saw a star out in public today and you approached with a camera, they put their hands up over their face. No, no, no. <laughs> but the Stooges were the exact opposite. As soon as they saw someone with a camera in their hands, they started to mug. It was like the light is on and they went into their act. Uh, they loved to be in front of a camera. Um, and so there are all kinds of great shots of them posing with all kinds of people all over because they went everywhere for 50 years. They just traveled everywhere. They were on the road constantly. And there were so many, so many photo ops because they sought them out. So there's all kinds of great photos of them that have never been surfaced before that I've just sort of been saving them up for the right time. And now is the right time. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I know in the last times kind of collapsed on me with the, with the pandemic, but uh, I think it was. I think it was during the pandemic or before, a little before. I think it went in two waves. Um, those Mo Howard auctions uh, that were posted, and I was able to. I snagged a couple things, like very meager. I got a page of his handwritten autobiography, uh, and mm -hmm. then I got a page of. Um, it was 
probably while they were on tour somewhere. I forget where exactly, but it's stationary of a hotel. And Mo had written in some notes for an act. I know they had several different uh, versions or something similar to that. Were you able to secure? There were so many incredible things. Oh, yeah, well, there were, there were a, lo a lot of fortuitous things happened to me in the course of writing this book. But one of the most fortuitous was this auction because uh, I was about two years into the book when this came up. And there was just so much crossword puzzle filling information in here for me that I couldn't have gotten from anywhere else. I couldn't get from libraries or fans. He had he had contracts and things that were just there, there was no way I could get the information anywhere else. So it was a godsend when this first auction came up, and it set me back a year or two. Truthfully, the book would have been ready a year or two earlier had I had I not had access to the information. But it really helped fill in so so many blanks that, um, like I said, it was a godsend. It really was. Yeah. Um, Mo, Mo was a saver. Mo was, he was, he saved everything. It was great. Um, you know, and he wrote letters home and uh, he used uh, hotel stationery to write home, which was really good because that enabled me to know what hotels they stayed at. So, you know, there would be a, a hotel Cambridge from Boston and, uh, you know, the hotel Shelley from Oklahoma City, whatever. Uh, I knew that's where they stayed because he used the free stationery that was in the hotel room. He was, uh, Mo and Larry were very good at letter writing. And uh, the fact that those things survived was very, very helpful in the writing of this book. Incredible. And I guess so. Uh, yeah, we're 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 stooging out right here. <laughs> so for people <laughs> who are listening, just so they know what's happening, we're talking about you know the Three Stooges, of course. Uh, here with Gary Lassen, the president of the Three Stooges Fan Club, uh, his new book, A Tour de Farce, about the um, you know the, the road work, the traveling around the country they did when they weren't shooting their films. Um, this Three Stooges light. It's Three Stooges without the violence. There, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, um, I think what is so, yeah, like you said, Mo, it sounds like he saved so much. I mean, which is, you know, thank goodness because with Curly, there's really, I've talked to, you know, a good, you know, mutual friend of ours, Steve Cox, and, you know, there's just not a ton of stuff on Curly. I mean, like trying to piece together that guy's life. Yeah, um, no, he, it's he, like evaporated. Well, you know what it is, I think, with Mo is that, you know, um, these guys really toiled hard in obscurity for a long time. So when they finally got their name in print and whatever, they wanted to save it and whatever. They wanted, to, you know what I mean? They paid their dues like Mo and Larry. They wanted to, you know, uh, Curly, not so much. Curly came out of nowhere. He didn't really pay dues. He was totally untrained, totally, you know, um, I don't I, He comes from a different background. I mean, he wasn't a favorite, but Mo, I can absolutely see him wanting to save the stuff after all those years uh, toiling for other people. And his name was never even listed in the program. He got no credit for anything uh when he finally saw his name in lights he wanted to enjoy it and save the stuff and um and he did that's great and i i, I gotta mention so just go, i was going through um the curly joe years and i was trying to find a uh because i live in salt lake city utah so we have we have a fair amount of listeners here in utah i found one date in farmington utah uh they played at uh with curly the lagoon joe. the lagoon yeah which is still a theme park there uh so that actually is not too far from from where i live it's about a 15 20 minute drive from where i'm at so the well they, they also stayed at the, the, the salt air resort in the 1930s oh the salt air okay yeah they were traveling uh i forget where they were traveling to another and uh, there's a photo in the book taken taken there 
Oh, uh, in fact, I was I was able to identify the location of the photo by the backgrounds. The, the fact that it was like sandy and there's some unique structure there in the background. Uh, I was able to uh, identify that as the Saltaire Resort. Oh my god, I must have missed that. That's um, you did miss that. I did <laughs> miss that. A... Two chance deduction. <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, that's incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so I got to mention, um, and for people who you know. Aren't, they're not going to be aware of this, but when I was um, a teenager, I, you know, I joined the Three Stooges fan club, and um, it was just so exciting for me. This is like early internet days when I think there was a Usenet group. Just uh, stuff was not really available, or I didn't know where to find it. So this um, Three Stooges journal that would come, uh, you know, a few times a year was really just something I looked forward to. It was such an exciting thing to receive in the mail. Um, I was able to get in contact with, uh, you know, people who were still alive that had worked with the Stooges. Uh, Ed Barons, who's a d- director, uh, writer, worked with them. I think he worked with every incarnation of the Stooges, or the, at least went back to Curly uh, in the Columbia in the Columbia films. So we, me and my dad, went to his house a few several times in um, Van Nuys, California. And, um, I think I have interviews that I <laughs> tried to, to, he was so kind mm-hmm. to me, uh, just let me ask him questions and record. Uh, but what's uh, really cool is he had mentioned, and my, I had remembered this in the, in the 1970s, and you, pr- you probably know this, he had uh, agreed to send his, uh, like his archives to the University of Wyoming. And uh, I remember him telling us that he had sent some stuff there. He was putting together a, a memoir uh, about his life and he had reached out to the university and they couldn't find some of his boxes. Um, but I went up there a couple of years ago. I went to the, you know, and it's a brand new archive they have set up there or relatively new, like a new building. And I found uh, three boxes. I don't know if he had more than that. And I, and I spent a, two days going through and photographing most of what he had um, mm-hmm up there so I'll, I'll have to share you share that with you if someone hasn't done that already um i don't well, know Trithry, if any- i'm going to tell you he may have give, given away more than half of what he had because there are so many fans that told me they wrote to him and, they, and he wrote back and they said he sent him a script oh. a script because they said i really like that out west story i love when you had mo say this and oh. he said oh here's my script oh my gosh <laughs> Ah, uh, that pains and me. And not just warranted. I mean, <laughs> uh, he gave away a fair amount of stuff to, yeah. to people just because they expressed an interest for no other reason. Yeah. I remember the, the first time we visited him. So I was about, I was probably 16 and um, we were at his house and it was the most surreal thing. Uh, we we went out to lunch with him and then went back to his home. And then he had old, because I had never seen the um, any of the Shemp solo shorts shemp howard solo uh shorts at that point and so he had them he had the ones that he had uh been involved with on vhs so he popped them in and we sat there and watched several (laughs) shemp shorts with ed and he as hearing i hearing his running commentary you know he was there he was oh it was it was incredible um that i mean that's something i feel like you you don't really see i feel like uh, and you knew so many of these people just, and I just knew a handful of them, but the, the generosity, and you just mentioned Edward send <laughs> scripts. I didn't know that the generosity, uh, and the time they would devote to their fans. 
Yeah, uh, well, the students, uh, and that's know. one of the things, you know, a lot of times when you, uh, you're you a fan of somebody and you dig into them and you, you find out stuff you don't want to know, you know, you shouldn't have. But uh, I, it's been so good for me to dig into this Stooges stuff because I've learned good stuff about the Stooges. And, and and the way that they treated their fans, to me, just is beyond belief. I mentioned before the thing about the cameras, how somebody would open up with a camera and they would. Um, I, I can't begin to tell you how many fans said in the 1970s or late 60s or 70s, they were in California, they looked up Mo howard in the phone book he's listed in the phone book they went to his house they knocked on the door and mrs howard invited them in for milk and cookies mrs howard invited them in for milk and cookies and moe and she would call you know you know beansy his, his nickname was and he would come down and he would chat with the whoever stranger total stranger Unbelievable. I mean, that's um, and they carried on. Mo and Larry both carried on pen pal conversations for twenty years with the same. You know, they they started pen pal, uh, you know, with a kid that was eight or ten years old, and the kid was married was married with children and still writing to to these students. And and the letters that they wrote back were just, you know, thanks for your letter. I'll be in Detroit next week. Love Mo. It, it was a two page or three page yeah. handwritten letter. It was a handwritten letter. They didn't have secretaries. They wrote the letters by hand. Um, and these letters survived, and you can read the trouble that they went to to, you know, to cultivate their fans and and, and keep uh, keep the fans, you know, in the forefront. It was uh, it's very impressive, I think. That's a, it's amazing. I mean, like unheard of, really. Uh, so I, I want to talk to you. I've, I've been I I dying to get out there. Uh, the museum that you've opened up uh, about the Stooges, the you know, the only one in existence. Um, well, seen- it's called the Stugium. I, I was trying to think, uh, you know, of a clever name for it. And uh, I was thinking, you know, Stooge Way to Heaven. No. <laughs> you know, the the Fine Shrine. No. Uh, Hurley's Castle. Uh, the Stoogitarium. Uh, Stoogaholics Unanimous. You know, I, I was brainstorming for whatever. And I just kept saying Stooges Museum, Stooges Museum. And I just fused the two words together and it became the Stugium. And that's that's what it's called. So, uh, yeah, it's located here in suburban uh, Philadelphia, and um, it's been very well received, not just by Stooge aficionados, but by the you know, significant others that often get dragged along. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, how long has it been in operation? It's been around a, a while now, right? Yeah, almost, uh, almost almost 20 years now, actually. In 2004, uh, I opened, and uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's close to 20 years Um Took a little bit of a hit during the pandemic where we didn't have any visitors, but uh, we're just getting back to full throttle again, and uh, people are starting to travel again, and we're, we're seeing a, a bunch of knuckleheads coming through the building. That's wonderful. So, uh, I let's talk about like you and like I, I mean I know some of the story here, but uh, for those who this is all new to. Uh, tell me about. I know there's there's a connection, there's a family connection with Larry Fine, uh, with you. How and when did you kind of become involved well, in the Stooges in the Stooge world? Uh, the short story is that I was always a Stooges fan as a kid, but you know I was a fan of a lot of things as a kid. And uh, when I became a graduate student, I started dating this woman who. Let on that she was related to somebody famous, but she didn't want to tell me who it was, as if she was embarrassed almost to tell me who it was. 
Uh, and she was embarrassed to tell me that she was related to Larry of the Three Stooges because to her, that was nothing to be proud of. Uh, so, but to me, when I found out that this girl was related to Larry, I, I knew I had to figure out a way to marry this girl because, uh, you know, I, I had dated, I had dated girls that were smart and pretty and good conversationalists, but when was I ever going to find a girl with bloodlines like this? So, uh, eventually we, we did get married. So it turns out, so my wife's grandfather was Larry Fine's brother. Uh, so Larry was her great uncle, and uh, she was deathly afraid of Uncle Larry because, you know, he got his hair pulled and slapped and poked, and she has a little girl. It was very, very scary to her. So uh, when Larry used to come, he used to visit, they used to tell her that Uncle Max was coming. And <laughs> for some reason, she fell for this ruse. She was not afraid of Uncle Max. Uncle Larry, she was terrified of, but Uncle Max was okay. Uh, so uh, he was Uncle Max to her. Um, she didn't know him that well because he didn't. He was on the West Coast and she was on the East Coast, so he didn't come that often. But um, you know, she was sort of afraid of him. Anyway, uh, when I he was dead by the time I met her, and uh, but her grandfather, who was Larry's brother, was still alive, and he looked like Larry. He had that voice. You know, Larry has a very distinctive voice. He had a very a gravelly. He's got that gravelly Philadelphia kind of voice combined, and. It's his brother, who was named Morris Feinberg, and his nickname was Mo. So I thought, that this is Larry's, Larry's brother is Mo. Um, <laughs> he had the same gravelly voice, and he looked like Larry, and he would tell jokes in a Jewish dialect, and he would go into a soft shoe routine, and uh, he, he had actually been a frustrated Gordillion himself. It was almost like having Larry there. Um, and he sort of got me into the Stooges. He wasn't a collector. He didn't you know, have every comic book and every record or whatever. But he had some letters that Larry sent him. He had some photos, a few things. And uh, I was sort of looking for a hobby. I was tired of baseball cards. They were kind of boring. Uh, so I started collecting Three Stooges stuff. And, I, oh, this is great. There's all kinds of different things. And they're not all the same size like a baseball card. Uh, and look, they're here. There's posters. There's records. There's sheet music. There's photographs. There's, you know, all kinds of stuff. Figurines and puppets and dolls. Um you still there? Oh, yeah. Here I, I think we had a, oh, okay, yes. a little bit. So, um, yeah. So um, I thought, wow, this is interesting. And it was, uh, it was a good hobby for me because it wasn't easy to find, but it wasn't impossible to find either. So, you know, you want to, you want if you're a collector, you don't want it to be too easy to find the stuff. That's that is part of the fun is in tracking it down. Right. And, 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 you know, so it wasn't that easy to find, but it was out there if you looked for it. And so I used to go to these shows I'd go to a comic book show and I'd flip through a box of comic books, Batman, Superman, X-Men. Oh, a Stooges one. Oh, I have this one. And, uh, you know, I'd spent five hours at this show and I'd come home with a 15, you know, one, one comic for $15 or whatever. Whatever. but that's the way i built the collection you know uh one one piece by one piece um, I, I learned some useful tricks too along the way if the guy was asking 15 dollars for this comic everyone would just say how about five or ten <laughs> no one or no one more. gary lasses it what do you want for this comic 15 dollars here's your 15 dollars i would be the only person that would pay the price he would ask so guess what <laughs> The next time that guy got a Stooges piece in, guess who he called first? Yeah. He called me. He <laughs> called Gary because Gary didn't nickel and dime him on that. Yeah. If, he, if he had something I wanted, I pay. And I learned pretty soon that if you want to have the rare stuff and the good stuff and the best stuff, you can't nickel and dime. You got, you're going to have to pay the piper or somebody else is going to get it. And I wanted to have the best stuff. I wanted the best <laughs> stuff. So I don't like overpaying. I didn't want to overpay. But 
I decided not to nickel and dime. If somebody has to pay a price and it was fair, I would pay it. And I would always get the call first next time. And that was really helpful in building my collection. Really helpful. Um, that That's great. Uh, so like the longevity of the fan club that you've been running, um, what, what is like, this is still going in full force, you know? And it, yeah, it's crazy. Cause you know, Mo Feinberg, my, you know, my wife's grandfather was, was running it for years. And when he died, I decided I was going to take it over. And I thought, what the heck am I going to write about this? I, the students haven't been making any films for 30 years. They're not on tour. There's nothing. What am I possibly going to write about? How am I going to fill up a newsletter? I seriously didn't think I'd be able to fill up one 16-page newsletter. Um, so in the first issue I did, I put out a call for help to the membership. I said, look, I need to send me stuff. Send me, uh, send me clippings. Send me, send me what you got. I, you know, And I was inundated. Everybody wanted to help. It was sort of like uh, when the starting quarterback goes down and the back up comes in the rest of the team rallies around him the rest of the team knows they have to pick up their game around and this is what happened the rest of the fan club just know they knew they had to you know rally around me and they sent me all kinds of stuff and all of a sudden i had stuff for a few newsletters and a few people emerged as regular contributors that really liked writing and had no other outlet for their writing and i gave them an outlet and they were good and and i need and it was a symbiotic mutual you know win-win situation uh, and here it is, like forty years later. <laughs> still, still printing stuff. They're still not going on tour. They're still not making any films. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I mean, and I when I when I would get, I need to get back on. I feel I feel bad that I just. I think I hit my early twenties. I left Utah, and I just, you know, I didn't put the stuff behind me, but I was like focused on other stuff. But now. Um, I'm kind of coming back to all this again. Yeah, well, look, ultimately, it's, ultimately, it's a tribute to the longevity of the Stooges and their their humor. That people still find them funny. That you know, people that in my generation we found them funny when we were coming home from school at, at age seven, and now I'm pushing seventy. I still find them. I still find them funny. I still see things in there I didn't see before, or I, I you know noticed something I didn't notice before. Um, I'm still laughing at the lines that I've heard a million times yeah. before. Um, and it is one of the few things I really find that when at the Stugium Theater, one of the most interesting things, and when I stand in the theater, I can see, you know, a father, a, son, a grandfather, a son, and a grandson all sitting there and laughing at the same thing. I, I'm, I'm really hard-pressed to think of any TV show today or movie yeah. where you could have three generations that would sit there and all get enjoyment out of it. It's, it's impossible to even think of any TV show or anything like that today that that where you could you could get that uh, result. Yeah, I I can't think of anything. I mean, I have behind me here on my bookshelf. I have the box set, you know, the DVDs, and I still pop them in, you know. And they're you're right. They 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 are totally rewatchable, um, and they just transcend generations. Which is, uh, yeah, I can't think of anything that really can do that. Um, Man, that that that's incredible. I think one of my big regrets in life is not having attended one of those um one of the conventions, one of the the club meetings back in filled in uh, Pennsylvania uh in the, in the 90s. I think there you put those on, maybe you could speak to to that the the three stooges conventions. Um and I think well, are there there's still meetings now? From time to time, am I well, mistaken? The, the thing is that back then it was it's a, it was a whole different era back then, and there was um, we're talking about in the mid to late 1980s. Uh, so at that point, there's no internet, 
there's no Facebook. There's no, you know, people when they wanted to keep in touch with each other, they wrote letters or they called each other after five o'clock at night. So it wasn't a toll call. You know, there was all kinds <laughs> of, you know, so keeping in touch with people and having FaceTime with each other was not that easy back then. And knowledge about the Stooges wasn't that great back then. And people had never met any of the people that worked in the films back then. So uh, when I took over the club, uh, I decided it wouldn't be great for people to get together and talk Stooges. Let's bring some actors in. Let's bring impersonators in. Let's have a pie fight. Let's have dealers come in and sell members. You know, there was no place to buy Stooges stuff. There was no place to buy. There was no eBay. There was no place to buy Three Stooges memorabilia. You couldn't go to, to a department store and find it. Uh, so let's bring it all under one roof. That was the concept. And back then, it made sense. But today... It's a lot different world. I mean, you go on eBay, type in Stooges, you know. Right. Very, very easy to to get access to stuff. Uh, mostly all the people that worked in the films are dead. Yeah. So we don't have guests. We don't have anybody that, uh, excuse me, that we could bring in as guests. Um, with Facebook and, you know, all that, people are, you know, can keep in touch a lot easier. So uh, the social aspect that, that uh, the conventions brought to the table, eh, the need for them is sort of lessened a little bit now. Um, so for those reasons, um, you know, and, and the generation, my generation has grown up, you know, where we uh, we were young and gung-ho then and that we're <laughs> <laughs> sort of <laughs> not moving on all cylinders. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that was one thing I always look forward to in the, in the issues where you'd have the photos of, of the convention of like the event itself and the different guests you'd have the, um, the supporting actors, uh, different people. Yeah. I mean, we brought some great. of the relatives in Mo, Mo Howard's children and, um, you know, the first time they came, it was great. The second time it was great, the but eventually they'd come to 20 meetings. And so people had met them 15, 20, you know, the novelty really wore off by the end. They, you know, they, 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 people were old friends of them. Uh, and we brought in the supporting players, but you know, one by one, they started passing away. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's incredible that, that, you know, you, there was a window of time where you really nailed it. And, and I'm sure the, yeah, like I said, one of my big regrets is not dragging, making my dad <laughs> get us out there. Um, but you know, we got, we got the chance to, to meet a few of them and we met, you know, we met Amos Sitka, who was a, you know, co-star in so many of those old shorts. We, we met him once, um, and it was two days before his, uh, that his last stroke where he was, you know, basically in a coma until he passed away. So, uh, and he was firing on all cylinders that, you know, chatted with us and had us over. It was, you know, a remarkable experience for me that I got just a little, a little taste of it. Saw Mousy Garner <laughs> several times. Um, and he's actually, when you hear this episode, there's a, there's a, um, the beginning and the end, there's a little clip of mousy that only someone who would know who he is <laughs> would be able to pick up on. So, um, well, he was, mousy was a good, a great entertainer, a great fan of the fan club. He came to several of the meetings. Uh, he did his Las Vegas nightclub act and the jokes in that act might date from the 1920s and the people were laughing at them like they were brand new and people were <laughs> laughing at these jokes like they had never heard of 
And uh, he was, I'm going to say he was in his low to mid 80s at the time. And he was playing the piano and telling jokes with the energy of a, of a 40 year old. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah. One of my favorite um, experiences, we went down to see him and we were doing other things. Me and my parents went to Las Vegas. I would think I was 17 at the time. And um, there was like a, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't the Hollywood collector show, but it was kind of an autograph show that someone had put on down at uh, Bally's Casino down in Vegas. And um, we had took Mousy out to lunch. Uh, before, we had gone to the autograph show, left, took Mousy to lunch. Um, and there was like Billy Barty was there at the autograph show. So we were telling Mousy about that. And, you know, Mousy had worked with Billy, uh, with Spike Jones. And um, he was kind of, we're like, we'll, we'll bring you, come with us. Well, you, you should come with us back and we'll, you know, you can, you can talk to some of the people. And he was like, no, they're not going to remember me. They don't know who I am. And um, he finally agreed to it, you know, and he's, you know, he had, he had a cane at the time and he got around. Okay. But he was kind of slow moving around. And once he started chatting with people, it was unreal. He, it was like, he, like you just said, he was like a 40 year old. He was carrying his cane <laughs> around the, the ballroom <laughs> of the place, chatting with, you know, Rip Taylor and Billy Barty and just, uh, Jerry Marin, just all over the place. And it was uh, such a cool thing. And I think even at that young age, it made me realize that these people are very generous, but like the fans are giving them so much as well. Um, the but they, but they were like a time machine to take, taking you back to another day, you know, yeah. it was just, uh, no, there's no other way to, to relive it other than through their eyes. And now, so yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, Great. So let's, um, as we kind of wrap up here, let's talk about like where people can get this incredible book, A Tour de Farce. Um, well, the book has a website, which is tourdefarce.net, T-O-U-R-D-E-F-A-R-C-E, tourdefarce.net. Uh, and all the ordering information is there. I would expect within the next week or two that it will be available on Amazon and eBay as well. If you find those uh, sites more desirable, you can probably order it there. But uh, that'll be in another week or two, I would say, working right. on that. Great. And if you get a copy through your website, you get a nice signed nameplate uh, from you. So that was a nice, nice treat. So, um, yeah, if you're a fan of of old Hollywood, um, one book I'm reading right now and I've mentioned a few times on my show, I think it's just called uh, Hollywood, an oral biography. Um, Sam Lawson contributed to that and they just pull all these old interviews Um at the I think the Harold Lloyd interview thing that they uh, something that had been done in mostly in the 60s and 70s but they pieced together these incredible um narratives based off interviews so if you're someone that likes that um or if you you like the podcast uh you must remember this um which we've talked about a handful of times on the show as well uh, a tour de farce is something I'm confident you will you will enjoy. And you know, if you're not Clearly. a Stooge fan now, <laughs> if you're not a Stooge fan now, you will be. You won't be then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Gary, this has been incredible. Um, I just thank you so much for your your labor of love over the decades. Uh, this book like reignited my love of the Stooges and. Uh, it's, it's been really wonderful to go through and I can't, well, I can't, thanks for your kind words. I really appreciate it. 
yeah, I can't wait to see that uh, the salt air photo. I don't know how I missed that. So, um, yeah, I think there's some kind of a, is there some kind of pier there or something that uh, that goes off that. I think that's what there was a long lengthy pier in the background, and they were on this yeah. sand, and I figured uh, that's what it was, and that's how I figured it out. It's um, yeah, yeah. Page seventy nine. Awesome. Hey, um, that one has long burned down, but the you know there's a there's a new salt air there now. But uh, yeah, this has been this has been really fun, and um, I really thank you for taking the time to to be on my show. And it's it's kind of like come full circle because your fan club is like I said, what what's really. Uh, got me into the world that i love so much um well thanks so much for having me on and uh if i was there in person i'd give you an eye poke (laughs) thank we (laughs) i'd have to put my hand up right to block it but yeah (laughs) um i love it gary lassen thank you so much yeah thanks for having me appreciate it (laughs) 